and welcome to Tabletop Game Talk, a show where we talk about tabletop gaming talk- topics of all kinds, starting off strong. And it's the first episode of this month. So this week we're talking about role-playing games, and I'm one of your hosts, Fletcher. Why did you change up the copy? I tried to find a copy that you'll read. <laughs> I'm well, Kitty. I'm, I'm Spencer. I'm in the copy. Normally I don't say anything, and Chris is like, why aren't you talking? I'm like, because it doesn't say so in the script. It's but a there complicated. I, am. I feel like I, I belong. And, uh, I belong. I'm Chris. <laughs> this week, Chris is going to put us on the hot seat as we talk about how much work should the game master expect from players outside the game. Sure, we should probably level up our characters between sessions, but do we really need to read 200 pages of history on the world? Yes. Yes. But I first, <laughs> as always, <laughs> and thank you to our Patreon friends of the show, Adam Harrison, Miles Clark, Sahara Wentworth, and the Gift of Games in Grays Lake, Illinois. And thank you to all our other patrons as well. Um, this is not a normal episode for multiple reasons. One, Spencer's is with it us. Cool, mom. Um, yeah, so it's cool. It's cool. Uh, <laughs> two, we're recording on a Thursday, which is very unusual, but it's before a holiday weekend, at least in the U.S. And three, um, it's just a complicated. So, if you want to join us for our live episodes, typically we record on Mondays. But if you're listening to this, don't listen to us yesterday because we weren't here. Okay, Can't I'm just going to us yesterday. Don't listen to us yesterday. So, yeah. So, Spencer, how is stuff? How are, how are you? How is life? Well, it's a complicated. <laughs> but mostly good. <laughs> mostly good. Uh, we we've got a busy day tomorrow. We've got a lot of stuff we're going to do at the holiday weekend. I'm uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm yeah, I'm flying to Vermont. I'm looking forward to that. I'm leaving my kids behind. That's um exhausting. <laughs> Um, With someone, I hope, not just like alone. <laughs> well, I was going to put a bunch of kibble out and leave the toilet <laughs> open for him. I got the cat robot. It, it cleans the litter box. It's totally fine. <laughs> they'll they'll, they'll probably do all right. <laughs> No, it was going to be, we're just going to leave the kids with my in-laws. But two, you know, a one-year-old and a two-and-a-half-year-old versus two 70-somethings, um, I don't think the 70-somethings or the kids would come out of that alive. Somebody is going to, no. like, not come out of that. So um, I'm having a random stranger who's 18 years old come and live at my house for three days to watch my kids. It, with nice. with the in laws, they're gonna be they're just down the street, and it's not totally a random stranger. It's, it's a friend of mine from work, her daughter. But uh, yeah, it's it should be good, and it's not totally a random stranger. <laughs> we texted a little bit before. <laughs> That's basically what happened. <laughs> <laughs> I, I yeah, I had them come over on Wednesday, and I'm like, okay, so let me just kind of go through the bath time routine and stuff like that, and. Most of it is like, all right, I mean, I'll just let you do the stuff. So she puts the diaper on Becca and Becca goes to sleep. And in the morning, the entire bed is just covered in pee. And because, I mean, having a baby, sometimes that happens. But usually the diaper's on. Chris, what happens. did you do? Oh, I thought it was you. <laughs> it wasn't me. Yeah. The baby did this? <laughs> I thought you just got nervous again. It's very, it's very nerve wracking to have. Yeah. And she started crawling this week, which I was really looking forward to her crawling around. Right. And then she started crawling. I'm like, oh, wait. Yeah. No, I'm not. I wasn't. Because now you can't contain her. Like, she's just. I told you. Yeah. No. I uh, told you you'd regret it. (laughs) I should have enjoyed that time. (laughs) I knew I would. And I flash back now to when Zachary started moving around. And I'm like, I tried everything to fence that kid in. And this is the second kid. So here, I like, there are no fences. There are no baby gates. There are no nothing. It's like, eh, if you want to go down the stairs, whatever. Um, Just, you know, 
take care of yourself. And yeah, she wants to just do everything. So I'm going to leave town for two days and come back to hopefully kids. Parenting is the most delightful horror. Kitty, do you remember when we used to like say, hey, let's just go out? And I we know. did. Yeah, and we could just like go on vacation. Even like before we had a dog. A dog already complicates things. And, but like, even with a dog, we were like, yeah. oh, wait, we have to think about this for an hour. Right. Make plans. <laughs> oh, I guess we could just go anyways. The dog will be fine. Yeah, I mean. We could just dump the dog with somebody. Or maybe someone will come by once or twice a day and check on the dog. Yeah. No. That can't happen anymore. I, no. since Since the world has been slowly opening up, even though everyone's masking up again, which is which is fine, um, we'll go to the restaurant every once in a while because, like, it seems like a good idea. Let's take the kids out to a restaurant. Becca likes eating off the table. Break French fries up. She's fine. Zachary likes saying restaurant. And then I realize the entire time I'm there, I'm just only stressed about them not making a mess out of everything, and they're having a blast. And I'm just like. Why aren't I at home? I could just be cooking. I could just be cooking. We could just have ravioli at home. It's his word, not mine. Ravioli. Oh. <laughs> ravioli. It's a complicated. It's a complicated. <laughs> yes, this is the show where we make up words. I feel like Chris hasn't been sleeping enough, maybe. Well, yeah, he's got kids. It's, it's, I'm 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 single dad in it today. It's been a great, 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 great day. Um, yeah, I don't. I'm not. I just uh, kids are the greatest thing in the world. Until they're no, he, it's still great. So Zachary is sick. He has he has RSV, and if you're a parent, you know the, that's just like yep, he has a cold, and so he's miserable. And he looks at me today, and and I'm, he's like coughing. I'm like, you have to cover your mouth when you cough. And he looks at me, and goes, I don't want to cough. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> ouch. Poor buddy. I know. So, yeah, that's that's what parenting is. It's like you feel every bit of pain of them. But every time they do something new, you're like, oh, look, you're crawling. That's amazing. Oh, crap, you're crawling. What have I gotten myself into? Like everything. So have kids. Sometimes kids say things to you. And if you think about it, like it implies that they think that you have way more power over the universe <laughs> than you do. Like I'll like I'll tell and it's like oh well it's time it's it's time to go to sleep because it's night. He's like I don't want it to be night. <laughs> I, I didn't I didn't make it night. Nope. I don't control the the stars in the sky. Clap on. <laughs> Now well, Chris is going to have to edit the podcast. We call him Player Three here. Player Three. <laughs> oh wait, yeah. now I have to write this down. Okay, hold on, writing down a timestamp. All right, I'll edit that, um, and I will. Um, yeah, we dropped Sydney off at the airport, and, and as soon as Sydney got out of the car, she's he's like, "I want mommy. I want mommy." I'm like, "Mommy's going in the airplane." He's like, "I don't want mommy to go on the airplane." And I'm like, all I imagine is like, you're not the boss. Yeah. She has since landed and everything's fine. But all I'm imagining is like, what do you know? Why are you telling me this? And I'm like, you never know. These things are kids. Kids just terrify. Everything's terrifying when you have kids. And then everything's confused. Do you think that your child is clairvoyant? Um, You know something? It's complicated. I just, it's it's complicated. (laughs) For. I think kids just have bad opinions sometimes. Because they do. Today, player three told me um, he was. We were watching something, and he asked me if I had a small belly or a big belly. And I said, <laughs> "What do you think?" He said, "A big belly, <laughs> <laughs> <Thanks>, buddy." 
<laughs> I was like, do you think I should exercise more and have a small belly? And he said, no, nah, I like your big belly. Like, you're, no, outvoted. You're wrong. He likes to lift up my shirt and tell me how wonderful my big belly is. And I'm He's like, very into big you, belly. I was like, you don't, you don't want a big belly. You want a small belly. And I, I'm sorry, I should work out more and have a smaller belly. He's like, nah, no. I'm going to grow up and have a big belly just like you. And it is so motivating me to get a great shape. See, this is just, it's the younger generation. They don't believe in body shaming. He loves you for who you are. No, no, no. He would shame me if I had a six pack. He would be like, Where's your big you belly, disgusting Dad? excuse of a man. You should have a big belly. Hey, you know that book, Hop on Pop? Get with no, joke. no joke. I lay on my back and he just jumps up and down on my big belly. He's like, ha ha, dad has a big belly. He loves it. Uh, okay, I, we should just do a podcast on, on parenting, because they do much better than gaming podcasts, by the way. Is that not where we are? Where am I right now? No, this tabletop <laughs> parenting talk is actually an odd... <laughs> yeah, you're our dog parent. You're, you're, the, you're the newbie parent that doesn't know. It, it really just all fits. Wait, what do you know that I don't know? Hey, I'm just saying... Zachary might be clairvoyant. <laughs> Zachary might be clairvoyant. <laughs> Okay, but what we're really here to talk about is how lazy you guys are. And I think that Spencer and I are both going to be on the same side on this and on opposite sides on this on the same side at the same time. (laughs) What? I'm usually not on the same side when I understand what you're saying. (laughs) It's very complicated. Um, So also, this is a word that's going to catch on, by the way. So if we use it a lot, it's because I really wanted to catch on. Uh, Look it up in Urban Dictionary. It's not there unless I can edit Urban Dictionary, which I'll take a look at after the recording of the show. Stop trying to make fetch I'm pretty sure you can. (laughs) I'm going to add it then. Um, Yeah, so the premise of the show is the the DM, GM, Game Master, the the person running the game does a lot of outside of the game work. In fact... So much outside of the game. And this does not just go for role-playing games. This goes for any board game that you might be teaching and setting up for friends, right? If you are the person that is putting the game together, hosting the game, you know, running the game, you are doing a lot more work than the people that are just coming to play the game, right? It's like, oh, man, your life's so hard. You have to sit down and play this game. And if I give you a 20-minute video to watch so I don't have to teach you the rules, whew, you're going to give me pushback. Now... I'm not saying that you guys have ever given me pushback on a 20-minute video, um, but sometimes it is hard to get players to put in the same level of commitment of the person running the game, which I would never actually expect, but how much should we expect the players to do, to, to put in? And that's that's sort of the premise of the whole idea. So now I'm going to pause for a moment just to get first impressions. And Fletcher, you're going... No, Spencer, you're going last. Fletcher, you're going first. <laughs> I will get Good this save. right in my head. Um, so, Fletcher, what do you think about that? Because, yeah, no, what do you think about that? And then I'll comment, because otherwise I don't stop talking. And, it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Some people just don't shut up when they when people tell them to shut up, and they just keep talking, no matter what happens. It's very complicated. But not me. I always someone, shut up when Did someone tell, to tell Chris up. to shut up? Or I just thinking out loud? <laughs> Um, so I think it depends on the level, the level of the player. So if you have a new player, you can't really expect them to, you know, bring much to the game at all. Um, but if they are a more veteran player or they have, you know, 
done this a number of times, I think that they should put in the work and at least know all the mechanics of their character and know how the game runs, you know, pretty much. If I had to ask you, can I do this action? Can I do that? Wait, if I do this, how do I, how do I, what dice do I roll when I, when I want to sneak attack somebody? How do I do, you know, like questions over and over again, like this is your character. You should learn how to play your character um, because you're not just, I mean, you are the the rule, the rules demon, the game master, but like it shouldn't, it shouldn't just be on you. There's something called a player's handbook. <laughs> oh, I like That's that. For the players to read. That, that if we if we did subtitles, that would be player commitment. There's something called a player's handbook. I would that would be the subtitle. <laughs> All right, Kitty. Did you just refer to the GM as the rules demon? Rules. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's an appropriate title. Kitty, what do you think about player commitment? Um, I think Fletcher did a pretty good job summing it up that like, you know, when somebody's new to the game, you should expect them to be new to the game, but you should also expect people to learn over time. And, you know, somebody who's perpetually unfamiliar with what's going on gets very frustrating, but it can be very unwelcoming to expect someone who has never played before to read a whole, you know, the player's handbook is already a long kind of book for somebody <laughs> to read all the way I like through. Like, you 300 don't have to read it cover to cover. Yeah, 360 some pages. That's a long kind of book. I agree with you on that one. Some of them don't even but have like pictures. How, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Half those pages are just like how spells work, though. That is true. Most of the time. Yeah, so you yeah. don't have to read the whole thing. But like, you know, if like even if you're new to the game, expecting somebody to read like, you know, the introduction, that's not too much to ask. You know, there there's a level of like, you can handle this. If you want to play this game, this is part of the buy-in is you have to do this work. Um, but there is a level where it is unwelcoming to expect too much for a first-time player sitting at the table. Yeah. Now, I will... S- yeah. I'll add on to that. First-time players, just- I don't think, require any prep whatsoever. But if you're going to be part of a campaign, you should get to the level you're talking to, talking at, talking about, within two or three sessions. You should go back and say, okay, I've played a couple sessions. I have some context. Now let me read the combat rules, the four pages of combat rules, and not 360 pages of combat rules. And, you know, maybe I should read about what my character does. That might be useful, too. Right, yeah. like there's the two-page layout for each like class. There's like you know a half a page for each race. There's those pages. Like you just have to read what is pertinent to you. And yeah, if you do that over like a month, no one's gonna fault you for that. You know, it, as long as you are learning your character, making the effort, that's fine. But I don't think you know for a first-time player, you can expect them to do an experienced player is so when we were running our Eberron campaign, you sent us like a 90 page, like this is the setting (laughs) and you didn't expect us all to read it all, but you expected us to read at least some of it. I think a bit about it. Yeah. I think I took six pages and said, these six pages, these are important. The rest of them you can read if you want to. And Kitty, I think you actually read everything. And then I don't think I read everything. I I read probably like thirty of the ninety pages. Yeah. though. <laughs> I don't even remember seeing that email. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I usually don't see you on those things. <laughs> <laughs> That's because you have yours directly go to trash. With yes, Chris. <laughs> yeah, from Chris to trash. Mark is red. <laughs> All right, Spencer. What is your take on player commitment? I think that it depends. Uh, 
I, I don't think that there's a right answer in terms of the amount of commitment you should expect from players. I think that the important thing is that everyone's on the same page of the amount of commitment that you should put in. That uh, certain games, uh, both, both from the rules of like the game itself that you're playing or the, the story of the particular you know, chronicle that the individuals are playing, can require more or less commitment. And the important thing is that you're you're aligned on what that is. So you have a, if you have a, someone running a game who puts a ton of effort into like writing out the whole story and uh, comes up with a, a, a lot of different interesting situations and it's in the middle of like uh, giving some big monologue that they prepared and wants to like drop sorts of hints of like names uh, of secret organizations in the background, expect the players to catch onto that. And no one has read any of the rules and nobody cares what's going on. That sounds like a miserable time where other people at the table are bored and the person running the game is frustrated that they're doing this all for nothing. You're not speaking that anyway, we'll get back to that later. <laughs> <laughs> or, but the, the, the other way is, is could be players who are super into a game. They really love what's going on. And the person running the game is just checked out, didn't really prepare, doesn't really care what's going on, whatever. Both of those situations end up in, in a bad time. And so what's important is that you're on the same page of the amount of preparation that's an effort that's supposed to be involved. Everyone knows what they're getting into and that they follow through. Yeah, I would agree with all of this. And, and the thing is, you're going to have different players that can have different levels of time to commit to things right? Some people only have the two or three hour times per week to do, like, that's the only time I can think about D&D is when I'm actually sitting down at the table and playing. And I enjoy this time, but I can't be, I just don't have enough time to do the homework outside of the game. Or some people are like, I really enjoy this time, but I don't care about the story as much as I care about the socially, like the social feeling of sitting down with people. And that's the important part to me. So I'll catch up on the story later, right? And there's a lot of different ways that you can handle things like that. And my my general take is I ask try I ask the very minimum I can of you guys to say, hey, between now and next session, level up your characters. It's a win-win all around. Now I'm gonna pick on Sydney because I usually do it in like <laughs> While you're still saying, like, level up your character. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah, I've already have it open. <laughs> now I'm going to pick on Sydney, and I was actually for hoping that she would be able to be on this episode. But um, Sydney, I apologize. I'm just using you as an example. Um, I love you dearly. Just throwing you under the bus, and I, and I totally throw you under the bus and all this stuff. So <laughs> I think the last time we were talking, we sat down and I'm like, "All right, did you guys level up a character?" It's like, "Yeah, we're all level seven, great." And Sydney looks up, I was like, "I think I'm level five still." Well, she was. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. It's true. This happened. <laughs> so, no wonder this is so hard. Yeah. <laughs> no wonder you're not pulling your weight in the fights. <laughs> <laughs> so for her, the, the fun of the game is playing the game. It isn't all the extra stuff. It isn't all the uh, external stuff. She loves playing the game. But the mechanics, reading the system, uh, even backgrounds and stuff, like that stuff is not necessarily where she finds enjoyment out of the game. So I'm like, fine, I will level you up. And that's, you just have to learn about your character. And I'm going to throw Sydney under the bus a lot. Fortunately, we're married (laughs) and it's going to take a lot for her to get rid of me because we also have two small kids and single parenting sucks. So I I think I'm okay here for at least an episode. Um, So let me get to, let's, let's just talk about knowing your character to start with. There are times 
when I sit down at a table and I know that I know as as a dungeon master and I know I know more about everyone's character than they do. This could be at a convention. They could be pre-generated characters. Um, it could be different, um, like just classes. I just know them. And all of these players are new. In that situation, I may help a, a player saying, hey, you're a paladin. You have lay on hands. You can heal X, Y, and Z. Or, hey, you're you know a warlock. I know it's not glamorous, but really Eldritch Bass is your best bet. Just just keep doing that. It you know, you know you're going to get the job done. Whatever the case is. But there are also times where characters get characters after like level three or four of any system really get a little more complicated than one person can keep track of. I can't keep track of six characters. They get what? I can't keep track of six characters. They get complicated. I don't even know why that word works anymore, but it just sounds it's right. It's not a word. That's right. It's not a word. It's not a word. In any case, so if I am putting an encounter in front of a group and they're having difficulty with it, sometimes, and this is actually speaking of your group, um, sometimes it's simply because you're not using your character's ability to the fullest. We're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. You're not having fun correctly. <laughs> and... In those situations, I'm like, well, I could just keep plowing through, but then it gets frustrating for you guys as well, right? Because it's like, wait a minute, why is this so hard? It's like, well, did you know that you had this ability? This, oh, really? I'm just saying it's on your character sheet. Um, so I'm again, I'm going to pause there because, and I'm going to again start with <laughs> Fletcher because Fletcher, I think you are the least guilty of this. You seem to be the most. Um, I want to optimize my character to the fullest. How do you do that? And remember, you're talking uh, to you... your fellow players, and it's important they understand. <laughs> uh, it's super easy. It's called uh, read the player's hand. <laughs> um, I will say it is way easier to know your rogue's abilities than your wizard's. Oh. And also, not. I think... It is definitely... Absolutely. Yes, no, because absolutely. you you pick no, no, hold on. You pick spells. It's not like the spells just appear and you're like I have no idea how to use this. You get to pick them. How many do I have? Do you know how many spells I have right now? Uh I have no idea how many spells. We can look at the table though. But it seems like you cast like the same 3 every time. <laughs> oh. Yeah, you have to prepare oh. them every day. And the <laughs> 3 you're probably thinking of are like my cantrips because I use my cool spells like three times fireball. and then I'm out of spell slots. Yeah. I'll take away my fireball and see where you guys end up. <laughs> no, but it is, it's a lot to keep track of. And I, you know, I have to remember to prepare my spells every day and I can't fudge that after the fact. So then I have to remember every morning, like, oh, what do I think is going to happen today? I have to make these choices. There's there's just a lot more going on than, like, I'm going to be perceptive, and then I'm going to sneak attack. Ouch! <laughs> well, I mean, it's been a long time since I played a spellcaster, and I wanted to play a spellcaster this round, but you got it first. Um, it's like the rogue the decision caster, loop is like, do I have sneak attack? Can I gain it? Either way, attack. Oh, <laughs> uh, I love this. Uh, that's true. <laughs> but I will um, say, I, I, I don't think I'm terrible at knowing my character. Feel free to correct me, Chris. No, I know there's been a couple times where I think I've um, 
forgotten to say I cast mage armor or no, something like but, that. But. So so you mentioned something like you can't retcon or whatever. It's like in my game you can basically pretty much always retcon. Um because it really is more about the fun. But like mage armor, I cast mage armor. If it made sense for your character to cast mage armor, you cast mage armor. And and the way I think about this is like you're not telling me every time your characters need to go to the bathroom. So no, I'm not gonna make you roll, you know, three D six damage for your bladder exploding. Like it's, should we start? Should we start doing that? <laughs> we probably should. <laughs> After the battle, I go use the potty. Yeah, I'm potty trading right now, no, so it's on the top of mine. This, this isn't the topic. Like, that's I think, a short rest. That's, that <laughs> that's yes. Long rest is number I two. Prepare, I think preparing spells could be its own episode, and I don't want to go off on this tangent right now because I do think it matters that I've prepared my spells because. There is like a list of combat spells and a list of non-combat spells. And if you are going to let me say like, oh, yeah, anytime you walk into combat, you can tell no. me you prepared all of your combat Sounds spells. Sounds to me like we got a player who's putting a little more work and seriousness into the game than the GM. <laughs> well, I, so here's the thing. I agree with you 100% on that. If you are a wizard, part of being a wizard is preparing your spells. I'm not necessarily saying you can retcon what spells you have prepared. I'm saying that. If you didn't, if you had like, okay, we're, we're traveling for these three days. And so I had this list of spells prepared. And then we woke up and went into a dungeon. I assume you're going to prepare a different list of spells. If you don't tell me ahead of time, I did this, this, and this. I'm not going to like say, well, you never said you changed your list of spells. You're still on your, you know, far travel spell list. So that's the kind of thing. Now, if you're saying, oh, man, web would really come in handy right now. I wish I prepared that. It's like, well, you know, you could always sleep for eight hours and change your spell if you want to. So, so you're saying you, you kind of use the honor system there. Yes. And a player yeah. saying, I had done this. You're like, well, I'm not going to yeah. nitpick this and say you didn't tell me or give me the proof. It's just, okay, fine. Exactly. So, and and I've just written down our next subject. We're going to talk about magic systems in, in our next topic. Because I really think that... That's a great, it's just a great topic to talk about. So we won't talk about it again here. But Kitty, I will say, as far as if I'm grading you on player readiness, <laughs> I would probably still grade you. And, and by grading you, I mean force rank. I would probably still, you're, you're either tied or just slightly ahead of Fletcher. Not, not for your character knowledge per se, although you are very good at knowing your spells, but because you tend to get into the background and read the background stuff a little bit more. Yeah, I'm like the kind of person, we were talking about like the player who like, I only have two hours to sit at the table. And that's like their time constraint. So like, yeah, I only have two hours a week where I can like sit down and play a game probably. But I actually have a ton of time where I just like can sit around and read D&D Beyond on my phone like for a long time as I like, you know, feed babies, supervise playtime, that kind of stuff. Like, you know, I I am tuning out more full, the worst show in the world, by the way. Just <laughs> let your children watch it. It is, ugh. But yeah, I'm trying to tune that out. So I, I read stuff like that. I can look at my character sheet. I can update that kind of stuff. Um, I just can't be playing the game, but I can yeah. be involved in the game in other ways. And, and I like to do that, but it doesn't detract from the game for me if other players can't. And I think Spencer actually did this really well in his vampire game where he set different expectations by giving different players 
different experience within the world of darkness kind of setting. Yes. Now, before we sense? yes, and before we get to Spencer, because I'm going to get to Spencer, I will. I I, <laughs> I have to finish my compliment sandwich. Um, there's no bottom <laughs> bun, but there you do. I'm just going to say you do tend to focus in on what you want, you what how you envision your character to be in the world versus what your character might be able to be able to do best. And I'll just summarize that in Wand of Magic Missiles. Um, versus <laughs> I want to attack it's from fair. the shadows. and But I want to circle back to that point, too, because I think that that is 100% valid. It's just part of the player's job to say, this is what I think is cool about my character. And if I don't know that as someone running the game, I'm sort of just like, pull out the damn wand of magic missiles. What's going on here? It's like, uh, I just want to use my shadow dagger. I, I, as it, I don't know how you couldn't know that about Kitty in that <laughs> game because all she talks about is how she wants to attack out of the shadows with her darkness dagger or we're, we're all dying. It's my She's shadow like, blade. I flee to the shadow shadows. blade. That's the one. <laughs> we're all dead. Yeah. yeah. Am I in, am I, am I in darkness? Can I use my shadow blade? <laughs> yeah, so that's fine. But, and you know, like, if you can't have a cool character who, like, you've built in this fantasy world, like, why? Why yeah. am I playing? Oh, 100%. This is why I give you top marks. I give you and Fletcher both top marks because <laughs> you have a vision for how you want your characters to play, whether it's based on mechanical aspects of it or, you know, the cool aspects of it. You have visions of how you want your characters to play. Now, let's talk about Lazy Spencer for a moment because I can't just pick on Sydney all the time. Spencer, how do you so, feel about knowing your character? I feel reasonably good about. Are you talking about like the the <laughs> paladin in your game? Yes. Or are you talking about me as a player in general across my role playing? We'll, we'll use career? the paladin as an example, and I'm not really picking on you. Um, you've come a long way, but early I've come on, a long way. You've come a long way. Where did I start? Where did I go? Um, you started with I have lay on hands and a sword. Well, I started with to a character fair. that you created and handed to me. <laughs> And I started making this character saying, I'm going to be a tank. And you're like, no, no, no. Sydney's the tank. You're going to deal a lot of damage. And I've built your character this way. And here's how it works. So Wait, did I sessions, do that? Yeah, you yeah, absolutely you did. did that. Totally. So for the first couple <laughs> sessions, I was just trying to figure out the role I was supposed to play in the group and really didn't have a lot of connection to the character. And as I started to learn more about both the system and my role in the group, I started to find that niche and how to fulfill it. So if it seems like I grew into it, I did because I figured out the role that you handed to me like a dictator. Yeah. I do not remember <laughs> handing you the role. I think you gave me a couple options and I said, okay, you play nope. Paladin. Are you sure? Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. 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 But that was, but that wasn't the style so, of Paladin I was planning. <laughs> yeah, so, so at the time, you know, Sydney was playing a bard and that was before she became a turtle bard. And when she chose the turtle race, it really changed how the bard works. Because often bards stand at the back of the group and cast, like, you know, inspiration and do that kind of thing and, like, sing their music and are, you know, squishy. Whereas so, Sydney has become a tank bard. I'm not going to make this an episode because it would just be all about bad things about me. But. I will call it out as an aside here. <laughs> I don't care with that. Chris, it's a complicated. <laughs> it's a complicated. 
So, yeah, so when Sydney was making her turtle bard, and then, because again, she wasn't making it, I was making it. And I don't say with input, (laughs) with input, I'm like, you could do this and this and this. She's like, everybody's characters. (laughs) No, because Chris didn't make my character, but he was like, we need someone who's like sneaky and can do damage and uh, <laughs> look i'm not i'm not things. saying what you should play but you should be this class and you should take these feats <laughs> yeah. you can do whatever you want but we need someone who's sneaky and per- can perceive things yeah. so i don't know maybe a rogue Pe- but do whatever you want <laughs> peter just mentioned i had no idea the barkeep and tank it's like well if you're a turtle and you have high armor class and you have some defensive like magic you could actually be a pretty good tank um, until you get hit, but you can draw fire pretty well. So, no, okay. I haven't, so I, I don't have like a running record of this, but as I recall, I hadn't picked a, a character yet. I heard what everyone was, was doing and we had a rogue, a wizard and a bard. And I was like, you know, I haven't really played a lot of paladins. It doesn't sound like we have a tank. I'm going to play a paladin. I'm going to focus on an armor class. I'm going to tank and then I can occasionally heal some people. And that's how I'm going to focus. You're like, okay, yeah, great. Be a, be a paladin. That makes a lot of sense. So Sydney's the tank. So instead, <laughs> you are going to deal a lot of damage. I, and that's what you're going to focus on. I was like, oh, well, I was planning on like having this. Like, no, no, no. You're going to have a great sword or a great axe. Here's a series of feats that you should take. And here's how they stack together. I was like, okay, man. And I just ran with it. All right. And so I'm happy with the results. It's fun to play. But to be part fair, of that is like right. That attached and understood <laughs> at the beginning. That's why. Part of that is right. Um, yeah, because like all of it is right. P- part of it, it, <laughs> it sounds worse than it 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 is. It, it's a complicated. It's um, not, no, but 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 going back to my point earlier, that's not bad. I I don't mind you handing me a player a character and saying this is what I need you to play in this game. I still have fun with it, right? It's about being on the same page. Yeah. So, and I actually think this is a good segue into again throwing Sydney under the bus. Um, so I built Sydney's character with her, and like you know, she had input and you know what she was had in mind. But the mechanics of her character require knowing multiple different things that that character can do, because there's a lot of different options. After every hit, she can do different things, right? You know, right now she just always increases her armor class, and but there's like four other things she could do on She's top like of metapod. that. Yeah, exactly. She's like I'm, I just like super Harden. AC everywhere. Harden. <laughs> And and so, but there's more you could do with that character if you knew the ins and outs and everything that it could do. Spencer, you started out saying, okay, I can hit things. And like, you know, you have this thing called, you know, divine something or other, or I think it's just... Smite. Divine smite. smite. Well, divine smite. And then you have um, another spell. There's like numbers of other things you can do that do all this other stuff. Sometimes you oh. bless us. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I read stuff after I realized the character I was playing. Yes. So, and that's the type of thing where it's, and, and it's one of those things where you kind of want to learn your character. And it's really the reason why most campaigns should start at level one and why all players should level up their own characters and all players should create their own characters. Because as you create that character, you know what it can do, or at least you've like, I read something about, I know how to do this. So if I level up Sydney's character, I can't really expect her to know what's going on when I say, hey, you now have this ability and this ability, and she doesn't have to worry about that until a week later when it's like, oh, but don't you remember you have these abilities? Like, no, what, huh? Like, oh, never mind. So let's talk about something besides, actually, yes, let's talk about something besides mechanics because this is going to get into the vampire thing too. 
I was just going to say that because I feel like, you know, the amount of effort that you put in and being prepared is not just understanding the rules. There's a lot more that goes into playing a game. What is your feel? If I was to say, hey, write me a one page background for your character. I'd be excited. I love backgrounds, as you know. I I um, actually would have to um I think edit down my five page <laughs> character background. No more than five hundred words. <laughs> <laughs> I'm more of like a two sentence background kind of person. I'm just like, all right, like I I the thing I like about the new D and D I call it new, but like the fifth edition <laughs> is that you're supposed to pick like a couple of um. I guess like personality traits or like where you came from, which gives your flavor some character. You didn't really have to do that before, but it's like, oh, okay. It gives me who I'm like bad at trying to theme a character beyond like what they are and what they do. Um, and having pick, having, having to pick those couple of like theming, I don't know, traits, theming things. Yeah. Like it's a, uh, it's helpful and it's like, oh, my character would do this or like, no, my character wouldn't do anything like that, given this background. So as a piggyback to that, um, and I don't want to speak for Sydney, but I'm fairly certain that this is not something she would enjoy at all. Um, but, and we talked about this briefly, if I said, okay, here are three pages of text that you need to read to understand the world you're in and the scenario you're in. Is this something that, and and Yes, you're obviously going to do it if I say, you know, do this so you know where you're at. But is this something you look that forward to? That is not to? true. That is not obvious. That is no way obvious. You cannot take that for granted. All right. If you did read it, would you enjoy that type of aspect? Like, again, out of game. Like, out of game, hey, read this background on the kingdoms, you know, the last two generations of the the monarchy because you're going to need to know this to play the game and understand the story. Is this something you look forward to or is this something you're like, okay, I'm doing this because I need to do this, but really I'm, I'm more concerned about the here and now and the background I'm not as into, or should I just roll history checks during the game? It, it For me, it depends on how well-written and interesting those three pages are. Because <laughs> uh, really, how good hey, is it? it inv- invests a lot into something you don't like. I'll be like, ugh. But if I start to read it, I'm like, oh, this sounds really cool. Yeah, I'm into this. Um, you know, it's like you said earlier, the whoever's running the game is investing a lot more time than the players. And your uh, your effort is, uh, even though it, it's way more on the, the dungeon master, the storyteller, whoever's time, it still scales proportionally. And if the if you're putting in a ton of time and the time that you're asking me to put, to put in seems like it's valuable and exciting, then I'm in for a great time and I'm going to really enjoy that game. So I get excited about it, but only if I have the time to spare. If I if I don't have the time, like I just cannot find the time to read those three pages and understand how the rules work and figure out the different things that my character can do because I didn't build it because you did because you're a tyrant, then, <laughs> then I'm, I'm going to be anxious. But if I built my character and or I was like involved in it and got really into it, uh, and the story sounds really compelling, and you're like, hey, get prepared for this, understand this background, uh, then, yeah, I'll be excited, and I'll be more into the game. I'm into that. Kitty, Fletcher, anything to add? Um, if it was three pages, yeah, sure, I'll read it. But if you're like, here, read this tome, so you can understand where every tree branch came from, I'm going to be like, no, like I don't I don't care. But where um, are the Entwives, Fletcher? <laughs> 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 um, 
Yeah, I mean, three pages is fine. But like, if I have to really invest a lot of time to get into the world, like that's what I feel like the gameplay is for, right? Like, if there's any kind of, even Star Wars, I kind of hate that like Star Wars does this. They're like, this is what's happening. Here's the prelude to like what you're going to see. It's like, why don't you just put that in the movie? (laughs) Why do I have to read about it ahead of time in this scrolling text? Before you get to the fun part, read this book. (laughs) Um (laughs) <laughs> so, like, I, I can't read don't... three paragraphs <laughs> I want yeah. to see some space lasers damn it no one's got time for this <laughs> I just think it's weird that like here's the prelude of like what you need to you know what you need to understand and there's like lots of video games and other games that are kind of like guilty of this and to me it's just like a you know a show don't tell kind of a thing especially when you know there's interaction happening um, I don't know but I'm fine with like a short, short world building, you know, excerpt. So, Chris, I, I have a bit of a question for you. And that is, if you give your players three pages to read and they theoretically read the entire book that the three pages came from and then download a podcast by the, <laughs> of the world and then <laughs> delve into um, a really obscure background and create an entire character concept around it. Um Asking for like a friend. A point, just, just a hypothetical, um, completely unrelated. Um, is there like a point where a player can know too much about the world? So yes and no. There's there's a point where a player can use too much of their knowledge about the world to try and change what that instance of the world is. So specifically, if we're talking about um, a setting, maybe we call it Eberron, right? Where it's <laughs> sort of a just, just, you know. <laughs> steampunky magic setting. And there's so much going on in this world, so much stuff. As the DM, I can only share a sample of it, a small portion of it. And it is fine for the players to understand the entire world, but the characters might not. So what is presented is is what is canon, right? What What's set at the table is real. What's not set at the table is hypothetical. If at some point I'm like, oh, and then this person from this region, you know, comes to visit town and my player says, well, actually, they're from this other region <laughs> and they wouldn't be here because that's going too far. But knowing and being able to do the well, actually... That's still actually pretty cool. So I don't think that that's bad. <laughs> I try not to well actually anyone. I know that I do sometimes, but I, I try not to. That's that's part of my motivation for steering away from uh, like canon mainline stories or modules mm-hmm. is, you know, pe- people are going to read it and be familiar with that. I've been in games where like somebody says some NPC walks in and like, oh, I read that book. That person's a blah, 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 whatever. And we're like, oh, God, you like yeah. ruined the big surprise. And this is dumb. And like. Yeah. When I GM at conventions, any of the published modules, I sit down and the first thing I say is, you may have played this module before. This one's going to be completely different because I'm, I'm inspired by the story. I'm not going to follow word for word the story. And I, it's the way I have fun running the game. So it's the way I'm going to run the game. So if someone's like, well, I know that it's hidden under the bed, or I've actually literally had someone do this. Like, well, I'm going to search under the bed. I'm like, you don't find anything. Uh, really i i um i spend more time yep there's nothing there because the module says there's something under the bed i'm not just gonna let you go and that's like not the point right 
And yeah. so those types of things. I bought the cliff notes and I know what to do. <laughs> exactly. I know, how to, I know how to beat this one. Well, I think that's really different, though, than like knowing the setting. Like reading yes. the module ahead of time is cheating. It is. I it, think. Like, and you can play it, but you have to separate player knowledge from character knowledge. That's always part of playing a character. And it's, you know, sometimes I'll talk about, um, like, you'll say, does anyone know this? And I'll be like, well, Kitty doesn't know this, but my character knows lots of things that I don't. Like, can I roll a knowledge check to see if my character knows this kind of stuff? So I, I agree with the spirit of that, but I actually I disagree with the statement that you have to completely separate player knowledge from character knowledge. Oh, and I think the best players know when to join them and when to keep them separated. Yes. Yep. I didn't mean to say, yeah, that you have to keep them like entirely separate. You right. just need to have like it, it's like a Venn diagram. Because yeah. I, I know knowledge, character knowledge, and both. I remember the there was like a, a, a stage in my, you know, maturity cycle of becoming a better role player where I'd be like, well, I'm just going to role play my character. So the situation would come up I'm like, oh, right, well, I'm role playing my character. So I leave the party because that's what my character would do. And like, that's <laughs> okay, great. You're a great role player and no one's having fun right now. Yeah. Like, I think have, the best. You have to bend it a little bit so that we're doing yeah. what we want to do. I think the best advice you can give to anybody who's in part of like a, a campaign is you're not, when you role play your character and you're using your player knowledge, it is not to make logical sense of what your character quote unquote would or wouldn't do. It's to make a good story. And the best way you can ask yourself when you do make those kind of decisions, would I leave, is if I were reading a book, would it make sense for this character to leave? Is that what's beneficial for the story? Or should I come up for a reason, come, you know, come up with a reason why my character would actually still be around? Because that's what's interesting for the story. And if you're in a group and you're one of five people at a table, that better be the answer. Otherwise, what you're saying is, I, as a player, don't want to play this game with you because I can't, for the life of me, come up with a reason why my character would stick around with your characters. Like, let, let's say you've got a, a stereotypical rogue and paladin in uh, a party, and the rogue wants to steal a thing, and the paladin's like, that's wrong, and I won't tolerate it. Well, you can just divide the party and go your separate ways. Or you can say, as the paladin, okay, I'm going to go along with it and have a crisis of faith, and now we have a new story arc. Which right. sounds way more interesting. Or I'm gonna, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna sabotage the sabotage the rogue, and the rogue is gonna go through this thing, and like maybe I yeah. change my ways or something, right? Yeah, it, it's like what benefits the story as a whole, not just what your right. character is. Yeah, it's a cooperative game, and it should be played cooperatively. And if you are playing, like we've talked about this before, I think on the podcast, like if you're playing your character to the point of like, you know, well, my character. What doesn't want to be in a party with this character anymore? Like you are going to drive people away, and like you can just play such a terrible character that no one else is going to be want in your party anymore. But there is also like a fun part of like, well, my character doesn't want to be here, and like that gives you an opportunity as a player to maybe bring in a new character or to start a different story arc. Like um, I know I've talked about them a lot here, and I'm sorry, but um, in the Glass Cannon, they actually have like kind of a couple different parties at this point in their main campaign because characters who have like sort of died but come back or like they had you know spells cast on them or they had like a side mission that they felt called to do they've all gone off but they're still part of the greater story of the world and in some ways i think they've done this because when you get into high level play and you're trying to finish these like pre-written books you have to have so many like high level characters if somebody dies you can bring someone new in without it feeling like 
oh, yeah, there's this hero that no one has ever heard of that's almost a godlike stature in this world, you know? And I think this circles back to, you know, the player commitment conversation. And as a player, you need to be committed to playing with the people at the table. Now, your character doesn't necessarily have to. Like you said, if you were like, you know, I'm not interested in this character anymore, and my paladin is just not going to tolerate the thief, so he's off. But as a player, that's an excuse to bring in my, you know, chaotic evil mage who we found on the street and who looks totally normal. Um, That is still committing to the group and committing to the story. And I think that's an Mm -hmm. important – it's an important piece of the game is not only committing to – you know, learning your character, knowing what you want to do outside, knowing maybe a background or knowing the history, but knowing that your reason for being at the table is for a shared storytelling experience. And if you are yeah, not, that, if you can't make that commitment, you shouldn't be playing. Yeah. Right. That And that flexibility goes to both sides of the table. Like, Chris, I've heard you say several times before, if you're running a game and you're trying to write a book, you shouldn't be running a game. You should be writing a book. Yeah. You're not dictating a story. <laughs> you're it's like a dance. You're telling a story with the players. It's the same thing when you're a player. You shouldn't have this particular vision for the story arc of your character that must go a particular way. You have to be flexible. If you can't make it work, abandon the character and come up with another one. Yep. Or understand you're not enjoying it, because if your character is a dick, maybe you are. Maybe maybe just <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, maybe nobody really wants to. Congratulations. You're a bad person one, and okay. a bad role player. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So last thing I want to talk about is the meta aspects of the game. So, you know, before the end times, we used to get together in person. And it used to be it's like, okay, we're, you know, the DM's doing all the prep and getting all the miniatures set up and all the maps and all of this. And someone else is going to bring the food and drinks, right? Or maybe someone else is going to order, you know, order dinner or host or whatever the case is. It wasn't all on the DM to do everything. And going even beyond that and online, online is it's a little trickier because we're bringing our own food and drinks, but like just the organization of it, you know, showing, even just showing up for a session is commitment. And I think we've actually done that pretty well, where it's like, okay, we're going to play every Friday. Occasionally we won't be able to, sometimes we move it, sometimes we skip it, but we always decide as a group. And for the most part, it's not like, you know, I'm tired, so we're not going to play. If that were the case, Kitty would never be at a session. Never. True never. Story. <laughs> <laughs> so like, that's part of that commitment. But, and Spencer, I don't know if you remember, but when we were doing Dark Sun, we were actually each, at the end of each session, there was a player who was responsible for writing up the notes for that session. And we actually wrote them up in almost like book form where, and especially when Rob got his hands on it, it'd be like a two page long (laughs) chapter of what happened. And I still think I have these notes someplace and I can read them over now and I can relive that campaign. It's like one of the coolest things. And it, it didn't make it for as long as the campaign did, but it was so cool to watch it, like read that story going forward. Yeah, I remember that. Now it's like, okay, who's tracking loot? Um, I don't know. Did you do? Uh, uh, I don't know, right? It's it's one of those things where it's it's a cumbersome thing, but I feel personally as the DM, it is not my job to do it. I could do it. Yeah. But it's not my job to do it. So what do you guys think about that? Like from the extreme of literally writing a book, like we're writing the next Dragonlance novel, to you just have to write down how much gold you found. 
Like, you don't even have to write the gem part. Just just convert it to gold and write it down. It's like, eh, I don't know if I want to. So so on the on the 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 GM, the DM standpoint, uh, I think at most it is your responsibility at most. It's your responsibility to make sure someone is doing it. And there's like when I'm running a game and events are unfolding, I don't write down things that the players have to keep track of, like how much loot they got or whatever. But I'm writing down stuff like I said that so-and-so said something yes. and that that has to have some continuity. So I'll keep track of that uh, on my own. And But I, I think, again, going back to my earlier point, you just have to be on the same page, right? So if, if there's a clear expectation of you guys should keep, keep, be keeping track of this stuff, it's easier. I don't think it's any mistake that that happened in that Dark Sun campaign. We were younger. People have more time on their hands. And we were getting together in person. There was more energy involved. Two years it's, of weekly games. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, for Vampire... I took all the notes, pretty much. Like, I was the only one. Like, it started out everyone was taking their own notes, but then at some point it became like, Kitty takes the notes. <laughs> <laughs> and like, it was almost like starting, you know, a school board meeting. At the beginning of our session, I would like read the minutes from last week. <laughs> like, there was, th- oh yeah, this is what our notes say. And then at the end of the session, though, I would kind of go through the notes and make sure like, all right, this is what I picked up. Did I miss anything? And you know, like what are our objectives for next time? What, and like we would kind of consider at the end of the session. So, you know, it wasn't like a problem or like a burden to me to be the one to do it. I just needed, you know, somebody needs to know, like, this is my job. This is what I do. This is part of how I contribute to the table is like, I do this part. And maybe, you know, it's somebody who isn't as like active, you know, outside of that two hour game session, like, people who don't have as much time to spend, you know, like reading all the background, like that's a really good way for you to be able to contribute is like, I'll take on this little bit of extra while we're at the table because I don't have as much time to commit elsewhere. So it, it it's a fun, I like taking notes though. I'm a nerd. I'm like <laughs> a really big nerd who likes taking good and organized notes. <laughs> I'll also say the less often you play, the more important notes become. Yes. yes. If you're playing every week or twice a week, like I did when I was younger, you just remember it. It's on top of your mind. If you're playing once or twice a month, like you have to go back and check the notes and be like, wait, what were you doing again? Who was that person? What were you trying to do? Yeah. Well, it also depends on what kind of game you're playing. We were playing a mystery. mystery yeah. Like you need to keep notes, even if you're playing every week, like, you know, something that happened four weeks ago might suddenly become pertinent. Like, down the line and you know it it didn't come up you know two to three weeks in a row but then it's still important information and we might have you know sometimes when we get stumped i go back and just like read through the notes and see like are there any loose ends here that we didn't cover i'll I'll say mysteries are way harder games to run (laughs) because of that because (laughs) adventure games you're just like oh these are getting boring i'll just throw a troll at you or something (laughs) and like you point people in direction but mysteries is like you've got to be enticing with stuff you've got to you it has to be hard but it can't be too hard uh this one comes from reddit yeah it's, it's much more subtle all right speaking of mysteries now i'm turning the show over to you spencer you ran Vampire. Mysterious. Yeah, you ran yeah. Vampire for quite a while. Long time. And your players... We're going to start we, it up again. Let's not talk yeah. about it entirely. Oh, no, 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 no. But we started in person. Then we went online. And there was varying levels of commitment both on and off the table. Um, you know, where it's... And, and there's a lot of things. There's a lot of... There's a lot of complications about running a game in general. And having six people buy into a game 
and all being interested at the same level is basically an impossibility. It's something that we all aspire to, but it's impossible, right? So, and in the vampire game, I will say one of the things that I never felt like I could do was know the world, ever. I had no idea what we were doing at any point, ever. And I admit that was on me, but I had no idea what to do or how to change that either. The book so was just you, really big. Oh, yeah. That, that, <laughs> in that, that book, and it's, and it's poorly written. I will say, I, one of the things I should have done with... So, you know, everybody wanted to play their characters. And the original concept of the game that I put forward is everyone's going to play a normal human. And then you get embraced and turned into a vampire and you're going to learn on the fly. And a few people were like, well, I want to play somebody who's been a vampire for a while and they're doing stuff already. Chris was one of those people. And I actually, I think it was a mistake for me to go along with that. And what I, I should have done is like, no, Chris, you're a human. You're going to learn on the fly. Doug, who's played vampire a bunch of times before, I should have let him do it if he really wanted to. But maybe even that was a mistake. And I should have said everybody's on the same page because there's this weird divide in the in the group of like, well, you got some people who in character know what they're doing and and other people who don't. Uh, because the the concept, because I, I agree that is one of the weaknesses of that world, is even though it's more familiar than, say, a and d game because it takes place in what is ostensibly this very world. There's this super rich backstory and like intrigue and secret societies. And what does that mean that you're never like you, you certainly can't expect someone who's never played the game to learn before. Most people who have played the game for years don't get it all e- either. So to expect somebody to have all that walking in is preposterous. Uh, and that's what I like the idea of the, well, okay, just like a lot of movies, show it, don't tell it. You're going to live through the experience of being introduced to it. And I, I think I should have. Uh, forced you in that direction more and said, no, no, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to get intro to this. And once you, once you get your feet wet, then we can kill your character off and you can be an elder vampire or something if you want. Oh yeah. I totally <laughs> blame you for my lack of prep for the game. Like I, <laughs> I, I always blame myself for letting you do what you want to do versus what I know you ought to do. It's my fault. <laughs> <laughs> but it is also hard, right? Because if you have a player that seems gung ho about an idea it it sort of is like oh great they're they're into this right so i don't want to say no i don't want to step mm-hmm. on that that excitement because you know the dm might give you a paladin that you didn't want to play and if that happens it you kind of disengage from it but at the same time you are absolutely right where it's like this is a complicated world the game's going to work better if you don't already if you if you're not going to read the entire book cover to cover the game's going to work better if you play this type of character. If you want to read the entire book cover to cover, by all means, let's talk and make sure that we're on the same page there, right? Right. You can't you can't have a novice playing an expert in a subject. Right. But you can do the other way around. Right. Yeah. So, as the person who I think came the closest to reading the book cover to cover who wasn't you, was I was it problematic for me to be already a vampire or nope. <laughs> well, I noticed you threw Doug and Chris under the bus, and you maintained I think, quiet. I think so Doug did a great confidence. job. I think <laughs> my job was – I do not – and I've said this many times. I am not a good player because when I'm a player, I'm always thinking about what it would be on the other side of the table. And it's hard to separate those things. I don't think you're a bad player. Eh, I don't think you're a bad player. It's – I mean – 
I a can, bad person. You're not I'm a bad, bad person. <laughs> yeah. I guess I should separate the player from the person. Yeah. No, that's true. That's true. Um, like, I know how to, like, try to push the story along because I've been on the other side of the table. And I know what mm-hmm. it's like, okay, we're stalling on this particular thing. Let's focus on something else or something like that. Um, but I think the main thing is I love, I love being in control. I don't think you'd ever know that by listening <laughs> to this podcast. But I like, you know, being <laughs> everybody does that. <laughs> so it's no, it's, and and then you're you're gonna struggle in that game because really one of the like themes of that game, and I I am pretentious enough that I like had themes in mind that we were gonna go through, was that you are never in control even when you think you are. Right. And that was gonna drive you crazy. Yeah. Um yeah, and it and it's like I say, it's also not my style of game. I don't like intrigue, I don't like vampires, I don't like I don't really like anything about the game at all, except for the people I'm playing with. So it's it's harder to be super invested. And I really wanted to. Like, I went all in on all of the components. I have multiple copies of the book, the PDF, the dice. Like, I went all in. I like I wanted to love this system. But I just came in with, like, it's just a bunch of vampires. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I tried to break the game. Basically, you know, it's like, you, the first thing you told me was, like, vampires aren't allowed to use technology. And I said, okay, I want to be the one vampire that is. Right? Like, right. It's, that's not, that wasn't good player commitment. But again, me. I think you saw, right, my, impl- my, impl- my impulse is always to say yes to whatever somebody's thing is. Right? So like, just either unqualified yes or yes, but because I need to round off an edge to make it fit in the, in the game or the system or the story. And, and I still think all of that's fine. I, you know, when we start the game up, I, I, I still want to finish out that story arc. And then very similar to like the approach that you have and stuff, I'm happy to have people either like kill off or abandon their characters or retool them or, or do something else. And honestly, like going back and looking at the whole like world of darkness system and all of that, uh, part of my attachment to it, what I like about it is I like the system of vampire more than I like the storyline itself. Like playing vampires is annoying because you can't be out during the day. Like, like there's, it's, it really limits it and holds stuff back versus sort of the other mainline games they have in that world of werewolf and mage and, and other things like that can, can be a little more uh, open in the kinds of adventures you can have. And when fifth edition of those comes, come out, I'll definitely be interested in running those games as well. But uh, I still, I would say as much as I, I think Vampire is my least favorite of those like mainline titles. It's still fun. And I really like the way the system works uh, and the, the story centric nature of the game uh, can be fun to explore with the right people. I think that's a great way to place to end it, but there is a topic I'm going to bring up after the credits that is going to be really dry and boring but on this, still related to this. So if you want to hear like me talking, a, movie. <laughs> like a bad Marvel movie. <laughs> but so if you want to hear me ask about point by character building systems that require a lot of investment, stick around after the credits. Um, until then, uh, Kitty, why don't you get us past this part? Tabletop Game Talk is a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. If you'd like to follow us on social media, the links for Facebook and Twitter are in our show notes. Want to watch us record live? You can find a link for that in the show notes, too. Comments or questions, email us at feedback at tabletopgametalk.com. Hosting fees and giveaways are sponsored by our patrons. If you'd like to be one of these wonderful people, you can find out how by visiting our website, tabletopgametalk.com, and clicking the Support Us link. And there's a link in the show notes, too. Fletcher, I think Spencer said that he wants to read the name of all of our current patrons. Oh, right. I don't recall. Oh, is that true? Yep. Nope. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Go for it. Here you go. 
Awkward silence. <laughs> Spenker is not my name. All right, here. I'll do it. Fine. <clears throat> Finally, a huge thank you to our current patrons. I can't read this. Adam Harrison, Miles Clark, The Gift of Games, Sarah Wentworth, Jason Strong, John Lewis, Joe Hoover, Jeremy Fisher, Terrence Miltner. Man, I cannot read this font. <laughs> Sean Peck, Christopher Dog, Jennifer Engelbrecht, Brian Arnold, Michael Yanakowski, I think. David Sellers, David, that is easier to read. Thank you. David Radke, <laughs> Jason Marks. Why did you get rid of it? I said it was easier. Ann Reynolds, Christopher Letko, Stephen Judd, <laughs> Liam, it, it, when you change it back and forth, it's <laughs> <Joe Radcats> <laughs> Weatherman Keefe, Paul Raymer, Jimothy? <laughs> ben Gary, Matthew Joke. There's some, everyone else has two names. You only have one name. Uh, David Rank, uh, Nicholas Lutz, Jeremy Wong, C. Marie? C. Mary? Did I say it right? No one's correcting me. Okay, I'm just going to keep going. Justin Wizard, uh, Jason Rodney, Sydney Lum, Eric Hoffney, Ariane Dong, Foz Filtham, Eric C. Lander. C. Lander. Uh, Glenn Cotter, John Williams, Sir Sully. Sir Sully. I like that. Uh, <laughs> Andrew Fayash, Camille Berth, Peter Fleming, Gary Bunker, Lightning Steve. Hey, I've heard that one before. Jim Conrad, John Seed, Ryan Ellett, Denica Hersey, Sean P. Kelly. Why does the font change? Uh, Mike Smith, Caleb O'Brien, <laughs> Don Gilstrep, Aaron Moore. Ron Nelson, Angus Toth, Charles Pearson, Jesse Wheeler, Ronald Roy, Tony Simpkins, David Gardner, and Darren McClellan. And a thank you to anyone who's ever been a patron, and an apology to all of our current patrons, but your support still means the world to us. Until next week, keep playing games and having fun. Um, yeah, Fletcher does that every week. So, all right. <laughs> I We used to take turns and then we stopped. Then we stopped. We yeah, that's no, my job. <laughs> so there's a new game system out. It's not a new game system. It's a 5e, so based on D&D 5e, called Anime mm-hmm. 5e. And it's a point-by D&D system. So basically you build your character with points and can buy things. Now... Any point by system requires a lot. <laughs> awesome explanation. It's, it, well, it's it's like it's, a point by system where you buy things with points. With points, and you buy things. So imagine <laughs> like you spend break, the points to buy the things. <laughs> break all of the powers and abilities out of every single class, and now you just get to build your class any way you want. You have a certain amount of points, you just build whatever you want. It requires. Do you level or do you buy things with experience? Um, you level. And each time you level, you get experience to buy more things. So those points, basically, when you level, you just get more points to spend. Mm -hmm. This requires a significant buy-in by the players to want to do this. Because it's like one of the beauties of... To buy points. To buy points. Yeah, because one of the beauties (laughs) of 5e is you pick a class, you pick a race, you're done. Like, that's that's basically... points cost money? They don't cost money. They're just experience, sort of. You build with points. My question. Unpaid internship. We're paying you with points for your character. (laughs) I'm giving you points to spend on your character. (sighs) Do you you know that there's already a system that uses this? Oh, there's so many systems that do this. It's vampire.
Um, vampire does it in a very macro sense, right? You have like 10 points. This has like 200 points. So Yeah, but then you get like, you know, it, it's just a scale thing. Yeah. Well, it's a, this it's, game has more points. It's an option thing, though. It's the number of <laughs> options that you can put together, right? So it's like, yes, you can spend skills on stats and and uh, you know skills There's and abilities. Buying in vampire. <laughs> all I'm trying to get at is you can play a merchant. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna buy a lot of resource dots. I don't feel points. like I'm getting a lot of player commitment on this idea. <laughs> <laughs> No, I hear you. When it's a when it's a really complicated system just to get started, it requires a lot of upfront investment in points because they cost money. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I guess the question is simply this. 5e Can I invest my money into a vehicle to bu- allow me to buy more <laughs> points later. <laughs> Technically you guess, but that's beside the point. So you have to take the wealthy tax. <laughs> Oh my god. Is it the, oh, is it besides the point box? Wealthy wealthy cost points. <laughs> what is the point of all this buying? Uh, never mind. <laughs> you know the problem you know what the problem is with the system, Chris? It's a complicated. 